Well, thank you so much for tuning in to the Todd Coconado Show, otherwise known as The Remnant. Today's broadcast is a continuation of our series where we're talking about how to expose Satan's playbook, how to win every single time. In today's broadcast, we're going to talk about how you safeguard your home from the devices of the enemy, the attacks of the enemy. Very important information. Share this broadcast with friends and family. This is going to set you up for success. All right, without further ado, let's go into part three now of Exposing Satan's Playbook here on the Todd Coconado Show. All right, so the first thing that we have to understand here is that spiritual warfare exists. Not only does it exist, it exists in our homes. And the family unit is a high-value target in Satan's campaign. So we're going to go through 10 different things, maybe some more, about how we can stop the enemy's attacks on our home. You know, if his lies can destroy our foundational relationships, he can hold us captive in every cage of anger, resentment, and unforgiveness indefinitely. In fact, the tragedy of it all is we are often caught unaware and unprepared, ambushed by an invisible enemy in our own hearts and homes. It's time for us to ask God to open our spiritual eyes. Lord, open them up to see the spiritual warfare in our lives. We've talked about this in the previous CDs. The battle is not against flesh and blood. It's against strongholds and principalities. Well, this applies to our home. We need to ask him to arm us for the invisible battle and lead us to victory. We talk about complete victory in Jesus Christ. I believe that's attainable. In fact, I believe that if you're walking in the fullness of what God has to offer you, that's exactly what you're walking in is complete victory. But where do we begin this fight to save our families from Satan's underhanded scare tactics? You say, well, Pastor Todd, I, I don't have a family. That's okay. You need to know these concepts as well. This applies to every household. It applies to every believer. Okay, so if you hear us talking about the family unit and you're a single person, I want you to still listen because you need to know these things. Okay, we might refer to it as a family unit or an attack of the household, but if you're single, these things apply. When I was single for 38 years, you better believe as a pastor and a Christian, these same things would attack my home. They would attack my family. They would attack me at the church. So the family unit is a high-value target in Satan's campaign. It's time for us to ask God to open our spiritual eyes to see the spiritual warfare in our lives, to arm us for this invisible battle and to lead us to the victory. Spiritual warfare, step one, okay? Get to know the enemy's strategy against your family, against your household. In 2 Timothy, if you got your Bibles, write this down, 2 Timothy 2, 24 through 26, it says this, the Lord's slave must not quarrel, but must be gentle to everyone, able to teach and patient, instructing his opponents with gentleness. Perhaps God will grant them repentance, leading them to the knowledge of truth. Then they may come to their senses and escape the devil's trap, having been captured by him to do his will. Your spouse is not your enemy. Your child that's in the world, that's not your enemy. Your circumstances, what you lack, loneliness, all the different feelings that you feel, that's not your enemy. Satan and his demons are your enemies, and they will use Everyone and everything they can, hear this, to distract you, to discourage you, and to ultimately destroy you. We, we talked about this before, but I'm going to reiterate it. The battle in this life is for your soul and everybody you know souls. It's all about souls. I had this revelation several years ago 
when I was seeking the Lord for my identity in Jesus Christ and my ultimate purpose and calling, and I really, I mean, this was a season of fasting and calling upon the name of the Lord. I actually took a, a sabbatical for a season and literally was just pressing into the Lord in prayer and fasting because I had to get healed of past brokenness. We have to fight for our healing as a believer. There's, there's a lot of churches in America and around the world today that don't teach about deliverance, that don't teach about healing. Yet we carry these things with us into any relationship, in our home, if we don't get rid of them. We have to understand the spiritual aspect of healing and deliverance and why it's so important to fight for our healing. His demons are the enemies. Like I said, Satan, the enemy. Even the people you love most can be distracted, by the way. Now, let me rephrase this, okay? Especially the people you love most. Satan does not want us to live in unity, and he adores discord, especially in the family unit, in relationships. He wants us to view our family members as our opponents. So we are so busy firing at one another, we fail to form a united front against our true foe. See, we talked about the biggest lie Satan tries to portray to the world is that he doesn't even exist. So you got all these atheists, they're saying, trust the science, it's all about, you know, our knowledge, humans can be gods. Uh, there's this guy out there that's literally saying that, you know, the Bible's fake news. I mean, what a joke. A lie from the pit of hell, because they don't want you to be equipped. They don't want you to be set up for success. They don't want you to know the reality. That's why I say this is reality. Jesus Christ is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords sitting on the throne of glory. That's reality. God of heaven and earth. Alpha, Omega, beginning and end. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus is the Word. Okay? Satan does not want us to live in unity. In the body of Christ, you see the discord, the infighting, the people that I talked about earlier in the series, the heresy hunters, and those that are walking in a fence and just always looking for the speck in somebody else's eye. It's just like their entire ministry is built upon this. Well, that's not the love of Christ. That's not doing what the Lord told us to do and and exuding the fruit of the Holy Spirit, kindness, gentleness, love, long-suffering. That's that's the opposite of that. So when we're sober-minded, when we're watchmen on the wall, when we understand our identity in Jesus Christ, we understand the battle is not against flesh and blood, but against strongholds and principalities. When you know you're being targeted as a believer in Christ, you have a target on your back, you won't fall for the enemy's schemes. When you understand the enemy's strategy, you're equipped to fight for your family rather than with your family. Write that down. Fight for your family, not with your family. Now, does that mean that there aren't going to be people that turn against you, that accuse you, people in your family that are manifesting in the demonic and coming against you? No, they, they will, especially if you're standing for Jesus Christ. I have that happen in some of our families, some of our cousins. People have just completely turned against me just because I'm a Christian. And there's nothing you could do but pray for them and show them the love of Christ. But what the enemy wants us to do is engage with the demon. You see, when you're fighting back and forth in the flesh, you are engaging and arguing with the demon. It's not something that we need to do as a believer in Christ. We go into the courts of heaven. We fight in the war room. Our battle is not against flesh and blood. When you're being accused in the natural, when there is uh, somebody attacking you and your family, go to war for them. Go to prayer for them. Start seating it in prayer, but don't engage it in the natural. Pull away from it as soon as you can. Why? Because you're literally arguing with a demon. If they're not a Christian or they're not given to the Holy Spirit, they're either under demonic influence or they're actually possessed by a demon. You don't want to argue with the demon. Don't fall for the devil's schemes. 
Satan does not want us to live in unity. He adores the discord, especially in the family. Okay? Number two, we got to sharpen our spiritual warfare weapons to protect our family. How do we do that? Well, in Ephesians 6.10, it says this, Be strengthened by the Lord and his vast strength. Put on the armor of God so that you can stand against the tactics of the devil. We read that before, but here it is again. We've got to be strengthened in the Lord and his strength. Putting on that armor. The Bible teaches us that our Heavenly Father has given us everything we need to live a godly life. You say, where does it say that, Todd? Well, it says it in 2 Peter, Peter 1, 3. 2 Peter 1, 3. He's given us a whole armory of spiritual weapons to protect our families from the warfare. But we must diligently care for those weapons. What do you mean? Well, you wouldn't want to defend yourself against a home invader with a rusty gun that doesn't work or a dull knife or a blunt arrow. Well, the same goes for your spiritual weapons. A whole arsenal full of dull, blunt, rusty spiritual weapons will not protect you when the enemy busts down your front door. If we desire to fight for our families, we must make certain that we are faithfully sharpening, cleaning, and inspecting our spiritual cachet of weapons. What do you mean, Pastor Todd? Well, family hands stacked together in unity on top of a tree trunk standing against spiritual warfare together. Okay, for this in John, uh, 1 John 5, 3 through 5. 1 John 5, 3 through 5, it says this. For this is what love for God is, to keep his commandments. Now, his commandments are not a burden because whatever has been born of God conquers the world. This is the victory that has conquered the world, our faith. And who is the one who conquers the world but the one who believes that Jesus Christ is the Son of God? See, Jesus Christ walked this planet with the absolute authority over all the fallen beings, including the demonic. They feared him, and they still fear him. Why? Because he was fully God and fully man. He still is fully God. Because of his sacrifice on the cross, you and I have unlimited access to his power through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes and lives in our heart when we accept Jesus Christ as our personal Lord and Savior. You say, well, Pastor Todd, I'm not sure if I have the Holy Spirit. Well, did you accept Jesus? Did you invite him into your heart as your personal Lord and Savior? Did you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that he is Lord and Savior? You say, well, yes, I did that. Then you're saved. And if you're saved, then you have the Holy Spirit. But you've got to understand how to use the Holy Spirit and what's inside of you because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. If you have doubt or you're not tapping into the presence of the Most High and you're relying on your flesh and you're relying on doubt and fear to guide you, you're going to make really bad decisions. But if you understand that you are a spiritual being with a heavenly residence, in other words, you're in the world but you're not of the world, you are a citizen of heaven and you're operating in the gifts of the Holy Spirit, which are given to us in Acts chapter two, and you're using the full armory and you're spending time in the secret place. Why do I keep reiterating these things? Because by the time this series is done, if you understand these concepts and apply them, you're not only gonna survive, you're gonna thrive. You're gonna thrive. And that's what I wanna see you do is thrive. So in order to access this power, we've gotta faithfully follow God's commandments. You say, well, that's hard. Yeah, it sometimes can be. Straight is the way, narrow is the gate that leads into salvation. We don't want to be the church of Laodicea 
that's compromised, we want to be the Church of Philadelphia. In order to be the Church of Philadelphia, we've got to be the empowered church. And to be the empowered church, that means we're walking the full counsel of God and we're walking under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. We want to access the entirety. Imagine somebody that's operating in their optimal calling, that's accessing all the authority and power that's given to us in Jesus Christ. Nothing can stop him. That's why it says no weapon. It doesn't say some weapons. It says no weapon formed against you shall prosper. Why? Well, if you're walking in the, in the authority of Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit, nothing's going to stop you. His instructions are, are there to protect us and guide us. But without obedience, we are ill-equipped for the battle. This all applies to the household because in the home, if this is happening, now you say, well, I got an unbelieving spouse that I'm praying for redemption. Okay, but see, you can, through, through your faith, and through your prayers, you can, you can actually put a shield in your home and you can change the atmosphere. See, it doesn't need everybody in your home doesn't have to be in agreement with you. But what you're doing is you're canceling the assignment of hell. You're going into the courts of heaven and you're contending for your household. And you are the righteous one in that home. You are the remnant in that home. You're the righteous one in that home. And that is protecting your home. See what I'm saying? So it just takes you, but of course, if there's another believer, if your spouse is a believer, if your kids are believers, you know, again, if you're single, then that's your house. How are you going to live there? Are you going to allow, you know, fornication to take place in your home? Are you going to look at pornography? Are you going to allow things that are not of God? Are you going to mess around with pharmacia, with drugs and alcohol abuse and all those different things? Or are you going to be consecrated and waiting on the Lord and operating in his goodness? and his righteousness, and holiness, and purity. So it doesn't have to have everybody in the house, but one powerful, spirit-filled believer can change the atmosphere of a home. Hear that. One powerful, now I know it's better when there's more. I mean, there's authority. Two or more gathered in my name. I get it. Go two by two. There's power and authority when there's more than one. Two can send 10,000 to flight. God talks about the power of unity, and it's important. But if you don't have it right now, I don't want you to be discouraged because there's still hope and you can still consecrate your home. So if there's one thing I've learned from my military friends, I got a lot of military friends, it's military discipline and effectiveness are built on the foundation of obedience to order. There's a pecking order. There's a chain of command. You talk to anybody that's been in the military, they'll tell you about this. They, they follow the orders of the one who is above them in the chain. And that's it. You know, a lot of people don't understand the way the military works. It's a chain of command. And God is our general. God, the Holy Spirit is the one that guides us, that indwells in us, that gives us the understanding, the knowledge, the discernment, the wisdom, the anointing, and also convicts us of sin. So as a member of God's family, we are expected, we are required to follow his orders. If we don't, we're in disobedience. Our obedience is a sign of our faith in God, our trust in God. And our faith in God forces our enemy to flee. Because if you resist the devil, what does he have to do? He's got to flee. Our obedience is a sign of our faith in God. And our faith in God forces the enemy to flee. Thank you, Jesus. Yes, yes, yes. I'll say it again. Now, the weapons of our warfare. As parents, we must diligently fortify our homes and families against the enemy's attacks. God has given us everything we need to fight victoriously. But we must train ourselves. We must train vigorously, study our enemies diligently, and pray fervently. If you're taking notes, write that down. We must train ourselves vigorously, 
We must study our enemies diligently, and we must pray fervently. If you're not training, then you're not going to be ready. Think about it. If you were thrown into a, into a theater of war and you had zero training, how long do you think you'd last? Not long, right? But if you're special forces and you know your enemy, you're prepared. You're set up for success. You have the weapons. You have the training. You have the understanding. You are set up for success. You, you throw somebody like me who has no military training now, I actually do have a little bit of training, but what I'm saying is, you know, I'm not a special forces guy. So you put me in into a, in a frontline battle in, in some war zone right now. I mean, by the grace of God, baby, protect me. But my chances aren't going to be too good, are they? I could do the last one and pray fervently. And hopefully God would protect me, right? But the thing is, is you want to be trained. You want to be studied. You want to be, you don't want to know the word of God. You want to know the enemy. Everything we need to know about the enemy is in the word of God. All of his devices, all, all the things that I'm talking about in this CD series can be referenced in the word of God. I can give you scriptures to back them up because this is the truth and the truth sets the captive free. So I found it extremely helpful to commit these five scriptures to memory. And if you memorize or take note of these scriptures, you'll discover how valuable a tool God's word is as we prepare our families for the battle and as we stand as a household for righteousness. Here's the five verses that are going to help equip you for spiritual warfare on the home front. Number one, this is found in 1 Peter 5, 8 through 9. 1 Peter 5, 8 through 9. It says this, be serious, be alert. Your adversary, the devil, is prowling around like a roaring lion looking for anyone he can devour. Resist him and be firm in faith, knowing that the same sufferings are being experienced by your fellow believers throughout the world. You're in good company. If you're going through warfare, guess what? You're not the first Christian that's gone through it. In fact, the, the ones in the Bible all went through it, didn't they? And yet, we're talking about them today. They impacted the world. They changed the world for Jesus Christ that's why we're able to, to know Jesus and to make him known because of those that have sacrificed before us. But we have to be serious. We have to be alert. The devil is prowling like a roaring lion. He's looking for anyone he can devour. So when you have areas of sin or open doors, you're looking at pornography after your wife or your spouse goes to sleep. And I know women are doing this too now. You're, looking, you're doing things that you shouldn't be doing. You're involved in things you shouldn't be involved in. You're bringing it into your home. And then you're wondering why your children are disobedient. If you're watching R-rated movies or things that are, you know, sexual nude scenes or different things, that even just regular TV shows that are just demonic, like I mentioned earlier in the series, they're just blatant and in our face. There's a lot of Christians that were watching Game of Thrones. I don't think that's good. I don't think it's good. I think there's a lot of series that are out there that we should not be putting into our mind or letting our eyes see and our ears hear. We should focus on what's pure, what's holy, what's righteous. This is what's going to get us set up for success, not allowing these areas of compromise in our home. You better believe your little children are listening. They're watching. They're watching how you treat your spouse. They're watching how you handle your anger. They're watching if you have self-control. They're watching if you drink or if you're involved in addiction. They're watching your eating habits. They're watching everything. They're like little sponges. Your family members, people are watching you. Non-believers are watching you. Number two, it's found in Isaiah 54, 17. I mentioned it, but I'm going to read the scripture. It says, no weapon formed against you will succeed, and you will refute any accusation raised against you in court. This is the heritage of the Lord's servants, and their righteousness is from me. This is the Lord's declaration. So what the Lord is saying in this declaration is, is that if you stay in Christ, 
if you are given to the Holy Spirit, if you are not somebody that's walking in, in, in leaven or in allowing compromise in your life, but you're saying, look, I am hungry and thirsting for the Lord. I'm going to live a consecrated, set-apart lifestyle. I'm going to be in the Word. I'm going to be a person of prayer. I'm going to go into the secret place. I'm going to go to the courts of heaven and fight my battles. If you're doing these things, let me tell you something. I can guarantee you that no matter how crazy it is, no weapon will succeed. No weapon formed against you will succeed. You will be able to beat any accusation raised against you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's the declaration of the Lord. Number three, we've read this earlier in this series, but I'm going to read it again because it applies to this in the home. Put on the full armor of God so that you can stand against the tactics of the devil. For our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against the world powers of darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavens. So we understand once again and identify that the battle is not a physical battle in this world. It is not a fleshly battle. Even though your son may be screaming at you, your daughter may be in rebellion, they may be after you, they, you may be having somebody accusing you at your job or in your family, but the weapons of our warfare are not fought in this world. That means the battle is a spiritual battle and we have to go to the courts of heaven in the secret place to battle it out. If you understand that, you're going to be set up for success and you're going to win. Number four, the salvation of the power and the power of the kingdom of God and the authority of his Messiah have now come because the accuser of our brothers has been thrown out. The one who accuses them before our God day and night, they conquered him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. Hallelujah. For they did not love their lives in the face of death. Therefore, rejoice, you heavens and you who dwell in them, Woe to the earth and the sea, for the devil has come down to you with great fury because he knows he has a short time. That's found in Revelation 12, 10 through 12. So we know the enemy's time is short. He's like a roaring lion. He's looking to accuse. He's looking to devour. He's looking for people that have open doors. He's looking for people that have doubt and fear and that are given to these things instead of the Holy Spirit. Number five, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. You will have suffering in this world, but be courageous. I have conquered the world. That's John 16, Thank you, Lord. No matter what the trial, no matter what the test, no matter what the accuser, no matter what it is that you face, Jesus has already conquered it. See, it's not even that you're going to win the battle. The battle is already won. What we need to do is embrace and, and, and walk in that victory. If we understand we're on the winning team, that's our identity in Jesus Christ. We're on the winning team. We have the authority to trample on scorpions and devils. We have the authority to drive out, to cast out. We have authority to bind and loose. We have authority in the name of Jesus in the secret place of the Most High to go into the courts of heaven and fight our battle in heaven in the heavenly realms because that's where the battle is fought instead of here on earth. And we have to understand the devil is going to try all different type of devices. He's going to try all different types of things. Sometimes he'll hit you with a barrage. It's like one, two, three, four, five things at a time. And what you do then is you don't let it overwhelm you, but you handle each one individually. And you just keep marching forward and you just keep pressing ahead. See, the spiritual warfare exists all around us, and the enemy's number one target is our homes. And so we have to be prepared to put on the spiritual armor and fight for our family against the attacks. We can walk in the victory despite the spiritual battle in our homes. When we take the time to write God's word on our hearts, we experience the power of God's word in our circumstances. If you're taking notes, write that down. It's a good one. 
When we take the time to write God's word on our hearts, we experience the power of God's word in our circumstances. And what does that mean? It's an all-encompassing, complete victory situation. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. I want to talk about this for the next few minutes here because I think it's going to help you. It certainly has helped me, and I'm not saying I have everything figured out, but I think I've been in ministry long enough to understand the devices of the devil, what he does, how he does it. There's certain things that we talk about, what you long stare at, what you gaze at, what you're doing in secret. The devil and the demons see that. That's why in the scripture that says, I know Peter, I know Paul, but who are you? The reason why there's a who are you is because that person does not have the authority in the name of Jesus. Why? Because there's either compromise, there's fear, there's doubt, there's something that has caused them not to have the authority in the spiritual realm. Peter and Paul had the authority because they were walking in the authority of the Holy Spirit because they were given to the Holy Spirit and they were consecrated. They were walking out their salvation as the Bible instructs. And, and so that's why when you see certain ministers and they have no anointing, you're wondering, where's the anointing? Well, the anointing is left. Why is the anointing left? Well, they have one of those things in their life. They got fear. They got doubt. They got compromise. They're not spending time in the secret place. They're not being recharged, refreshed, strengthened in their faith. They're not dying in their flesh daily. They're not trusting in the Lord. Something is wrong. And does that mean we judge and condemn them? No, but we try to help them back up. We pray for them. Sometimes we don't even have to say anything. God is just alerting us to something so that we can pray for them. See, the thing that we're seeing a lot now, especially with social media, is you got all these people calling people out publicly and the non-believers are watching it. They're looking at it and they're like, what's going on? What's happening with the church? The church is a mess. We've got to make sure that we, we, we understand people are watching, friends. We've got to operate in protocol according to the word of God. We've got to know the scripture. We've got to know the protocol. And that, that means we've got to study ourselves to be approved. That means we've got to be mentored. A lot of people just want to jump right into ministry. You just got saved and all of a sudden you want to be a pastor. Well, that's good. I'm not against you being a pastor, but study yourself to be approved. Be mentored. You know, go to Bible school. I mean, you don't have to, but it's helpful. And I know some of the seminaries today are compromised too. There's a lot of compromise. There's this woke agenda that's trying to come into the church. That's a lie from the pit of hell. That's a false gospel. That's making it look good. The Bible says that in the end times, they'll, they'll call good evil and evil good. That's what's happening right now. And so there's a lot of a deception, and that's why we've got to know the Bible ourselves. If we don't know the Bible, when a deceiver comes along, when a wolf in sheep's clothing comes along and they start saying things, they sound real good because Satan is real good at that. He comes as an angel of light. But there's more about the home. There's so much more. We're going to get into some more about this. What you bring into your home is another one. What you bring into your home. You know, sometimes uh, innocently we'll go to a flea market and we'll buy something that, you know, somebody may have prayed over. It might be a new age thing, you know, a necklace or some type of stone or something. We bring it into the home. We're opening ourselves up when we do this. We've got to be careful what we bring into our home. A lot of people have Buddha uh, statues in their home, Christians. Uh, people allow pagan things and, and, and things that are not of the Lord, and this opens up the home. So we've got to be careful what we bring into the home. Also, who we bring into the home. Now, I'm not saying we got to be paranoid, but, you know, if you've got somebody living in your home that is in sin, that's not a family member, or maybe they're an extended family member, you've let them live with you because they've had a, a season of being down and out or whatnot, but all of a sudden you, you notice there's a, a change in the environment. Well, if they're given to sin or they're operating in sin, they've allowed these things, you know, in their life, and they bring it, you bring it into your home. You know, when I was in Bible school, 
one of my mentors told me something, and I'll never forget this, but they said, where you lay your head at night, where you sleep, you need to guard that place. That's holy ground. And I said, wow, well, that's, that sounds a little extreme, you know. But over the years, I've found to realize, actually, that's a very, very, very true, very wise counsel. Where you lay your head, whether it's a one-room studio apartment or it's a 10-bedroom house, it doesn't matter. Where you lay your head, what you allow in your home, okay, I'm talking about what you bring in your home, what you watch in your home, what you do in your home, who you invite into your home, what, what, what activities you participate in in your home, fighting, watching bad movies, drinking, doing drugs, doing things that are perverted, whatever you do in your home, that is bringing that element of the demonic into your household. And there, there is a significance of that in the spiritual realm. That, that is significant. What you allow into your home because your home is holy ground. That's why the Lord talks about, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Why does he say that, me and my house? I mean, obviously that means my household. But what he means is that your, your home is supposed to be a consecrated place. And, and it, it goes to, it's like the parable of talents. You know, if the Lord gives you a home and you steward that home well, and you actually worship the Lord in that home, you go deeper in your faith in that home, that place is a house of prayer, and it really is a place where the Lord is moving, I believe he's going to expand your territory. Don't be surprised if you get blessed and he gives you a bigger home. Or, 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 you know, expands your territory somehow. If you're using what he's given you for his glory, he's going to expand your territory. That's a principle of the Lord. If you bury it or you don't use it for the glory of God, but instead you're allowing leaven and compromise and demonic activity to happen there, then it's going to bring a curse and judgment upon your home. So it's very important that you understand what you bring in, who you bring in, what you do there. Those are all important things about the household. Our children are watching us. You know, there's a lot of parents that take their kids to church every week and for the most part are Christian, but inside the privacy of your home, there's things you're doing that are not Christian, that are, that are against what the word of God says. And let me tell you, the kids are like a thermometer. They will, they will understand that because they're, they're very in tune. It's very interesting. They're like little bloodhounds, you know. They are very in tune spiritually and they know what's going on in the house. And if you're disrespecting your spouse and you're dishonoring them before the kids, that's not only going to affect them and their future relationships, but it's going to affect the peace and unity that God wants you to have in your home. So how do you deal with a rebellious kid that lives in your house? How do you deal with a rebellious spouse? This is going to be a matter of prayer for you and fasting. Now, I never advise anybody to stay in a relationship that is abusive, especially physically. Uh, you can separate yourself. The Bible is very clear about marriage and what the Bible says about marriage, and you don't need to be physically abused on a consistent basis. I think that's wrong, and I would encourage anybody that's in that type of relationship to set yourself a part of that, to get away, in other words. And it doesn't necessarily mean you got to get divorced right away, but definitely don't uh, just sit there and get beat up, okay? I don't think that that's something God intends for you. And I think that there's a lot of people that shame you in the body of Christ for divorce and shame you for different things, but there is a time in the scripture where those things are permitted. So you have to know those things and just make sure that you're following what the Bible says. And if people shame you, you know what, that's on them. But you got to do what's right for your life and your situation and what's right before the Lord ultimately. That's the most important thing is if you're pleasing the Lord and you're seeking the Lord's counsel and the counsel of the Holy Spirit, and that can also be done in prayer. I always say to parents, 
If you have a rebellious child, a child that's on drugs and alcohol, a child that's out there being promiscuous, a child that's in rebellion, well, we know the devil goes after Christians' kids, especially ministries. I mean, you know, pastors' kids. My goodness, I've seen it time and time again. There's a lot of influences in this world. Now they got the smartphones. They started at a young age. Pornography is very accessible. Demonic things are very accessible. Uh, You got all the video games and the TV shows and the music and the movies and everything that unfortunately is all part of the Babylon system. And so if we're not careful in guarding our kids and protecting our kids, and I know some parents want to kind of just let them do their own thing, but we have to be involved as a Christian today. We've got to guard them. We've got to watch over them. We've got to spiritually steward our home and make sure that we're a good leader. And that requires leadership in the home and, and a godly husband. And if you don't have that, you say, well, I'm a, I'm a woman of God and I love the Lord, but my husband is not serving the Lord. Then honestly, you're the default person. And I know that's kind of tough, but you, you're the spiritual head of the home until your husband gets saved or God changes your situation. Now, that's a tough situation, and I just want you to know I have tremendous compassion for, I know there's many women that have spouses that are not in the Lord, and there's many men that have spouses that are not in the Lord. Either way, it's a tough situation. But the most important thing, see, you can't control anybody else but yourself. You can't control your kids. You can try. You can, you can be a parent. You can, you know, don't spare the rod. The Bible says spare the rod, spoil the child. So, you know, you got to be a disciplinarian. It's very tough to navigate, especially in the world today with all the different, um, in, in, you know, intrusion of our government. And now they're trying to, you know, basically tell us that they're the parent instead of us. And they're trying to make parental decisions instead of us. But we have to continue. You know, people say you got to obey the government all the time. Well, you don't have to obey the government if they're, if they're going against the Bible. Okay, you have to always, the Bible usurps anything else. It's just like Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego. You've got to stand for the truth according to the word of God. You've got to stand in alignment with the Holy Spirit. And if a government tells you to do something that's against God or against the word of God, you do not need to comply. And it doesn't mean if they throw you in jail that, you know, that's not going to be a horrible thing. But you know what? It's good that you're standing by the truth of the word of God. You're not compromising. Because one day they're going to try to get us to take a mark. And we're going to have to say no to that. And so, you know, what are, what are all the people that say Romans 13, Romans 13, you got to obey the government. Well, the government's telling you to get a mark. So are you going to do that too? So we have to understand the Bible usurps any government, any tyranny. I mean, they, they could have used that excuse during the days of Hitler too, you know, or Stalin. So, you know, there's a lot of people that want to hide under that Romans 13, but the Bible always is the ultimate authority. Thank God in our country, the constitution is still the rule of law, the law of the land. Unfortunately, there's activist judges and people that are now usurping the constitution, but we have to stand as Christians in accordance to the word of God. We've got to stand firm. Remember the scripture that says, and when you've done everything, stand. We, we have got to stand. That's why I talk about standing a lot. We can't cave. We can't capitulate. We can't cower. We can't get fearful. As for me and my house, remember that. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. If you're the only believer in your house, then you're, you're the default head of the household as far as spiritually. It's just the way it is, at least for now. So what you can do is you can rely on the strength of the Lord. You can go into the secret place. You can get recharged. You can feed your soul. You can go into the courts of heaven. You can uh, have other believers in your life that are standing with you and and intercessors and mentors and elders and people that are at your church or in your community group or whatever your community is. But it's important. That's why I say the, the devil wants us to be isolated and alone. If you're one of these believers, and again, I'm not to condemn you, but if you're a believer that has no other believers in your circle and you're literally a lone ranger, that's going to be tough. And my encouragement to you is to find other remnant believers 
even if it's online, just find other remnant believers that are intercessors, that actually love the Lord, that are given to the Holy Spirit, that understand the spiritual dynamics of the situation and the warfare that you're in. You know, I've been on airplanes. I'm telling you, I sit down next to somebody who I've never met in my life, and we are tracking 110% spiritually because they're given to the Holy Spirit and they're a remnant believer, and they get it. You say, what do you mean when you say remnant believer? I just mean somebody that actually believes in the entirety of the word of God and lives the full counsel of God. You know, a, a real member of the ecclesia, a real person that hungers and thirsts for righteousness. That's what a remnant believer is to me. There's a lot of leaven in the greater body of Christ. There's a lot of people that are teaching a feel-good message that are tickling ears. We have to come out from among them. We have to be set apart. That's what's going to set us up for success. People say, well, how do you get the anointing? You get the anointing by being consecrated. Look at Samson. It wasn't his hair that gave him the strength, although the hair was a, was a, a figurative thing to they gave, you know, it was an example. It was, it was something that, that they used to explain it. But the ultimate thing that really gave Samson the strength wasn't the hair. It was the fact that he was a Nazarite, that he was willing to be set apart and consecrated. And when he gave in to sin or when he walked out of the obedience of what the Lord had instructed, that's when he lost his strength. And so it's important that we have to understand that if you're set apart, if you're consecrated, if you're holy, if you are the Lone Ranger in your home, but you have other believers that are standing with you and you're praying and interceding for your family, there's going to be a breakthrough at some point. How many marriages have I seen healed over the years? How many people have I seen healed of cancer? How many miracles, signs and wonders have I seen over the years? So many. Now, I want to address this for the remainder of this CD because I think it's important. There's a lot of people that are living in shame. You're living in shame because either you're living with a, a, abuse right now or you've had an abusive marriage in the past and you got a divorce and people in the body of Christ have shamed you or demeaned you. I'm going to say this again in case you didn't hear it earlier. No one could take the mantle of anointing from you. No one. If you, if you are called and the, the Lord has called you and you're faithful and you're in your walk with Jesus Christ and you've been through a divorce or you've been through an abortion or you've been through something that the church would want to shame you for, let me tell you something, that's religion. And they don't understand the truth of God's love and forgiveness and power and authority in this world and beyond. Okay, we have to understand there is no condemnation in Jesus Christ. You've repented, you've walked away from your sin, you're living a consecrated way. Nothing can take the anointing or the mantle from you. The devil can't take it. Other Christians that are judging you they can't take it no one can take it from you friends no one can take it from you i want you to hear that okay people are going to try they're going to try to take the they're going to say this and that and things about you and all this stuff it doesn't matter it's what god says about you what does god say about you so if you've been living with those you know that baggage if you've been living with shame if you've been living with uh, under the religion of pharisees and people that have accused you and attacked you i want you to be free of this today and we're going to pray for you before this is over because as for you and your house, it doesn't matter if you're single, it doesn't matter if you're married, it doesn't matter if you got 10 kids or five kids or one kid, as for you and your house, you are the one. Because you know Jesus Christ and you're filled with the Holy Spirit of living God, hopefully your family serves the Lord too. But if you're the only one in your home, then you are the one with the spiritual authority and you can literally stop the demonic attack in your home if you go into the courts of heaven. Do you understand this concept? This is huge. Now, if you've got a family full of believers, then just all the more power to you. But you still got to be careful what you allow in your house, what you invite in your house, who you allow in your house. Guard your home. It's where you lay your head. And it's a spiritual environment in that place because the battle is not against flesh and blood. If you allow idols in, I mean, there's certain things that could be demonic. I know somebody that had one of those dream catcher things in their room, and they were having bad dreams, and all this demonic stuff was happening. They literally got rid of it. They anointed the room. This is another one now. Anoint your house. 
Go around your house. If you're experiencing demonic activity, if you're experiencing warfare, if you're experiencing fits of anger, rage, uh, discord, all the types of things that I've been talking about so far, go around and anoint your home with oil. Have some elders come over. Lay hands on the home. Anoint the rooms with oil. Invite the presence of the Holy Spirit. Here's another one. Make your house a house of worship. What do I mean? Start worshiping in the home. Turn on the worship music. Let the worship fill the house. Start praising the Lord. Change the environment. You say, I'm the only believer. It it drives everybody else crazy. Oh, well. You know what? I'm not saying fight over it, but you make it a house of worship. You start worshiping the Lord. Open your windows. Let it go out to the neighborhood. I'm telling you, there's something significant when people hear worship. It changes the environment because the Holy Spirit is welcome. We've got to change the environment. This is what we are. We're ekbalo, remember, to go out, to cast out, to drive out. Well, when you're in your home, are you going out? Not really. But the thing is, you can still cast out and drive out. You have that authority in Jesus Christ. You walk in that authority, and you will see a difference in your life. I'm telling you right now, I've seen it over and over. The most hard-headed people, the people who you never thought would come to Christ, the worst, most rebellious people. How do I know that? I was one of them. I was one of my early 20s and my teens. No one would have ever thought that I'd be an evangelist, that I'd be a pastor. No one would ever thought that for Todd Coconado. But you know what? I had a praying mom, and there's authority in a praying mom. And that's what I'm saying. If you're a parent, pray for your kid. There's something very significant. There's nothing more powerful than a praying mom. I'm telling you right now, it will change. You, you will find out. Listen, it may not be you, but the word of God does not return back void. If you spoke truth, it may not be you, though, but maybe somebody else will come this is what would happen to me. I'd be out at the nightclub. I'd come, I'd come out at like 2.30 in the morning or 2, 2 in the morning, and I'd be drunk. And I'd come out of the nightclub, and guess what? There'd be a guy with a cross over his arm walking around on the street and, and preaching, and I would be touched and affected. I had people give me words when I was out in Hollywood in the middle of, uh, of a party environment. Somebody would walk up and give me a prophetic word. I have no idea where they came from. It could have been an angel. I don't even know. People were speaking into my life. It happened over and over and over again. It wasn't my mom. It wasn't her doing. But people were coming, and they were preaching to me. And I don't know how it happened, but God allowed it to happen. And that prepared me so that my heart was ready to to give my heart to Jesus Christ. But the home is a sacred place. We've got to guard it. We've got to protect it. We've got to be careful what we let into it. We've got to be careful what we watch in it. We've got to be careful how we act in it anoint it are these things helping you i hope they are now if you live in a home where somebody previously lived there and they did bad things there make sure you pray over the home dedicated to jesus christ dedicate that home to jesus christ it's all how we live our life and we have to guard our home we have to guard our lifestyle we have to be protective over our loved ones we, we we can't give in to the things of this world that tell you just let it all it's all good they just say anything goes just be happy yeah feel good that's all against the word of god that's not the way it works if you're in christ you're going to have a true joy and a true peace and you're going to be set for ultimate success but it's not going to look like the world and it's not going to feel like the world We have a way to have discernment and to walk with the understanding of the Holy Spirit like a thermometer. We can see, I'm telling you, my wife and I will walk into certain places and we'll be like, this is dark. Something's wrong here. Something's off here. We can sense spiritually. Why? Because we have that discernment. Why? Because we have the Holy Spirit. Why? Because we spend time in the secret place. It's so critical, crucial, and important, my friends. I'm telling you, 
I'm telling you, these things are so big. And it creates an environment of peace by dedicating our home and our lifestyle to the Lord. And so these are all areas that we got to do. We got to watch what we say. Don't speak words of death. If you speak words of death, the Bible says life and death are in the power of the tongue. You know, I remember a couple of times when my daughter got sick and people said, oh my gosh, she's so sick. I'm so worried. She's so sick. I said, don't speak that. Don't even speak that. We, we speak words of life. She's going to be healed in Jesus' name. This is, this is an assignment of hell, but we break it right now in Jesus' name. She is made fearfully and wonderfully. We start speaking life. She's going to be good. She's going to be fine. She's going to be healthy. This is going to go. And we break the assignment of hell over her, and we start praying and laying hands on her. I'm telling you, it goes away. Because life and death are in the power of the tongue. Be careful what you say. Be careful what you do. Be careful what you bring in. Be careful how you act. Anoint your home. Guard your home. Protect your home, not just in the physical sense, but in the spiritual sense. What comes in, what goes out, what you're doing. Let it be a place of worship. Let it be a place of prayer. These are all things that are going to set you up for success in your home, my friends. I hope this is helpful. Look at the home from a different perspective, not from the perspective. Maybe, maybe you've never looked at it this way, but look at it as holy ground. You know, when you, you first walked into a church and you're like, wow, this is holy ground. You know, that's how we should look at our home. It's a place where the Holy Spirit dwells. It's a place where we lay our head. It's a place where we raise our family and we want to make sure that it's a consecrated place. It's a set apart place. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Lord, we just thank you that you're so good and that you give us wisdom and understanding that is beyond our knowledge. And Lord God, we believe that that's what you're doing today is you're giving us grace and understanding and wisdom and strategy and knowledge and how we can break the assignments of hell in our family, in our household, in our situation, and we can walk in absolute and complete victory, Lord God. Let us look at our home as literally a place where you dwell, as a place where we worship you, we praise you, we pray, we seek the Lord, we're careful how we act, we don't operate in the anti-fruits, we operate in the fruit of the Spirit, love, kindness, patience, long-suffering, all the fruits of the Spirit, Lord God. We operate. We put on the full armor of God. We become prayer warriors, consecrated, set apart, set up for success. We just thank you in your precious name. We give you the glory and the honor and the praise in Jesus' name. I pray that today, Lord God, would be a breakthrough day for everybody that's listening. We'd look at our house differently from here on out, Lord God. We wouldn't let sin in our home. We wouldn't let leaven in our home. What we can do to stop it in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. All right, I hope you enjoyed today's broadcast. I hope these are fruitful and helpful for you and your family. Uh, if you would like us to do more of these, write me at pastortodd.org. And uh, we're trying to do more topical teaching so that you can be set up for success. And people are saying they love these. So we're going to continue doing them. Uh, we appreciate you. If you want to become a partner and help us in this ministry, you can go to toddcoconado.com slash give, or you can go to pastortodd.org. We really appreciate you. Thank you so much. We'll talk to you soon.